Well, it's great to be here this morning. And as you know, in a week's time, we're going to be starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I love this time of year in the life of our church, how we get together and we use this moment in time every year just to get away with God and seek God and use these concentrated moments to really believe for breakthrough. Come on, who's believing for breakthrough this year? Who are some things that God has put on your heart this year? You know, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about an issue. And I think it was someone that was uh, possessed with demons. And so his disciples are trying to deliver this guy. And Jesus makes this really powerful statement in Mark chapter 9, verse 29. He said to him, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. In other words, church, some problems can only be shifted when you and I get on our knees and go after the Spirit of God. And many times we think about things in terms of the natural world. But come on, who knows that there is a spiritual world that is often more real than the natural world. And just for you to lock time aside with God, concentrated moments where you are fasting and praying and seeking the face of God, it will have a profound impact upon your life. I remember as a young man uh, doing many long fasts. I can't do them as long now as what I used to do. But I remember years ago going on 40-day fasts and seeking God. And I would say this today, that I'm still living in the blessing today of the seed, the spiritual seeds that were sown 20, 30 years ago. So I want to encourage you, you know, especially if you're new to our church, this is an awesome time in the life of our church that we just get away with God. Which brings me to this wonderful journal that we are launching right across our campuses this, uh, this week. It's going to be absolutely awesome. These guys have put a lot of time and effort into this, and some of our best teachers have been writing in this journal. They've prepared some really great devotionals, and as you know, our theme this year is called Homecoming, and so at the end of the meeting, as you walk out, you'll be able to grab one of these and uh, make sure that you follow along with us, 21 days. Come on, who's believing God, that God's going to do something in the life of our church? Uh, It is going to be absolutely fantastic, and so I want to encourage you to get that. That is going to be absolutely incredible. And um, so I want to talk to you today about your devotional life. And I've told of my message this morning, the fruit of devotion. You know, many people, uh, I just believe, and I've been a Christian for many years, uh, many people struggle with the consistency of a devotional life. And so I really thought the title today was really good, the fruit of devotion, not the discipline of devotion, or the responsibility of devotion, or the, uh, the duty of devotion. Many people kind of feel like their devotional life with God or having to read the Bible or pray, many times we have an attitude of duty. Well, I better, I better do this. But God wants more than duty out of us because there's a living, live relationship behind what we do for God. But the fruit of our devotional life, the effectiveness of it, the power of it, what it can actually do to really know Jesus, to walk with him on a daily basis, to spend time with him. That's what's powerful. You know, Psalm 42, verse 1 to 2, the psalmist says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go? And meet 
with God. I would say this today, whether you know, you're watching online, whether you are a believer, whether you are not a believer, it is the longing of every single soul, soul to know God. And whether you are religious or whether you are not religious, at the core of every soul, there is a longing to know the creator of the universe. And the problem with the world is they try to fill that longing with money and finances and attitudes and agendas. It just doesn't work. And so for you and I to spend a few moments talking about the consistency of knowing God, I just think is incredibly powerful. I'm going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 because the Apostle Peter who walked with Jesus really has this first-hand experience about how walking with Christ dramatically changed his life. And he writes to the church these powerful words about what has been made available to us. And he says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You know, who knows that right now the world is in the grip of evil desires. For this reason, every reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Let me just say this, mutual affection between one another, godly affection is actually a sign that you've got all the other things operating in your life. And when I've seen over COVID how some members of the church across the globe have torn each other apart, I don't see a lot of mutual affection. And so I wonder whether they've got all the other things that they say that they've got because mutual affection is the result of all the other things that 2 Peter talks about. Just a little side conversation. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, who knows that? Peter never pulled punches when he was with Jesus and he's doing the same again as he's writing to the church. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich reward into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I think one of the most profound statements in the New Testament is this statement as Peter opens up in 2 Peter. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Think about it. God's divine power has given you and I everything we need not to self-sabotage ourselves. He's given us everything that we need so that we don't derail our lives, so that we don't blow our lives up. 
He's given us everything that we need to be a good example to our children and not to live in regret. You know, when I often talk to people, they say, well, you know what? It's my past and I had such a bad past that I've just been really making some bad decisions. Let me encourage you this morning. God, through His divine power, has given you everything that you need. You don't need to be bound by your past. You don't need to be bound by your lack of education. You can understand because of the power of Jesus. In other words, we're not doing this on our own. We're not living life solo. We're not living life having to wrestle with with our emotions and our attitudes and things that often the world wrestles with. We have Jesus Christ within us. His divine power has given us everything that we need. I mean, think about it right now in life. How many people live with a sense of deficiency? How many people right now, I mean, the world is richer than what it's ever have been before. How many people in life live a sense of deficiency in having to navigate parenthood, in having to navigate their own morality, in having just to navigate their own peace, their own sense of security? How many people live with a sense of, I just don't have what it takes to actually get through this life? And yet Peter gives us a wonderful promise. Because of God's divine power, he has given us everything that we need not to live deficient but to live in a place of abundance. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. And I want you to notice Peter speaks about two things. He speaks about divine power and a divine nature. And Peter makes the point that this divine power that God has given us and this divine nature that was awakened when we gave our lives to Jesus is basically accessed through one thing, and that is through our knowledge of Jesus Christ, our understanding of Jesus, our pursuit of Jesus, our hunger to know Jesus more. And Peter makes the point that this central idea of divine power and divine nature can only be accessed through your knowledge of Jesus. And I just love that. It's not accessed through our good works. It's not accessed through our performance. It's not accessed through our intelligence. But divine power and divine nature is accessed through our commitment to knowing Jesus and to know Jesus well. And Peter says that when you know him, when you lock time aside in life to really know who Jesus is, you begin to participate in this divine nature and divine power that God has given us, a nature that is aligned with God. And we know this, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Do you know when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a new creation? You're not bound by your old habits and your old sins and all the stuff that you've wrestled with in the past. God did something more than just a psychological change. There was a spiritual renewal that took place in your life. And so Paul, uh, Peter says, so for this very reason, make every effort. And he begins to list all these other things. And this is the problem with many Christians. We make every effort without knowing the first thing. So we try to be good. We try to be faithful. 
We try to do all these things, but we're doing them in our own strength. Because Peter says, the way that you access his divine power and divine nature so that you can do these things well is not to do them on your own, but to actually do them through your increasing knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so today, this is not about me saying, well, we better do these 10 things. This is me about having a conversation with you that God has given us everything that we need to live a productive, godly, healthy, blessed life where we're not messed up on the inside, but there is a peace that surpasses all understanding because there is a divine power and a divine nature that God has given to every single one of us. So what does it actually mean to know Jesus more through our knowledge of Him? What type of knowledge is Peter talking about? I want to talk to you this morning about two types of knowledge that as we begin this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you'll be reminded of this and this will draw you closer to God. When Peter says knowledge through our knowledge of him, what does he actually mean? Well, the word knowledge there in the Greek literally means precise and correct knowledge. Precise and correct knowledge. In other words, not knowledge according to your truth, but knowledge according to God's truth. Right? Look what John says about the ultimate goal of our relationship with Jesus. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know what I've realized in the world today is there are a lot of people that want to see Jesus through their view of the world. They want to see Jesus through their perspective or their experience or their cultural background. No, you need to see him as he really is, not as you want him to be, or as you think he should be according to your view on life. You know, when I read articles and I see where the world is going, I see there's a lot of different versions of Jesus out there. There's woke Jesus, there's deconstructed Jesus, there's religious Jesus, there's little figurines Jesus, there's baby Jesus. People have kind of locked into their perspective of Jesus. And they wonder why there's no power there to actually change them on the inside. You and I need to come to a place of maturity where we're not going to see him according to our world perspective, but we're going to see him as the Bible wants us to see him. You know, when I first went out with Franker, I thought I knew her. And I decided in the first few weeks of going out with her that I was going to go to a place where angels would fear to tread. I thought, you know what, I'm going to surprise, surprise, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of new clothes. Because I thought I knew her. And there was a certain fashion label at that time. I liked that fashion label. I didn't even bother asking her whether she liked that fashion label. I just assumed if I liked it, she liked it. And so I went to that fashion label and I just started picking things off the rack. I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to show her how much I care for her. I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that. Spent a whole bunch of money, rocked up to her mum's house. It was a Friday night. The only late night shopping in Adelaide. Because everything closes at 5pm. And I gave them to her. 
waiting for her to go, this is what I've always wanted. (laughs) After about 10 minutes, I was bitterly disappointed. Because I was picking the things that I liked, not what she liked. So I've realized with Franca that when it comes to clothes, if she's unsure, then instantly it's a loser. But when she sees something that she likes, she knows it straight away. And I've tried to work out what actually goes on in her mind. There's so many clicks and clogs that are going, you know, we often will go shopping. And I said, let's buy you some clothes. I said, come on, let's go here. And I said, what are you looking for? And she says, I'll know it when I see it. (laughs) And so I often pray before we go shopping, please, Lord, let her know it soon. Because I have a limited time span of really showing interest. <laughs> and I've realized is I can't rush the process. Some of us will go through, okay, I'm ready, come on, let's go. She goes, don't rush me. One of my 21-day prayer points of prayer and fasting. God, let her know it soon. <laughs> but back then I thought I knew her. 30 years later, I've learnt my lesson. Here's the punchline. We try to dress Jesus up in the way that we think he should look. Rather than seeing him for who he really is. Don't accessorize him. Don't put him on with your culture and your attitudes and your worldview. See him for who he really is. And if you do that, you will see the living Saviour who have the power to change your life. Yes, He will challenge you. Yes, He will make you feel uncomfortable. Yes, He will wrap His loving, loving arms around you, but He will convict you and challenge you like no one else does on the face of the earth. Peter understood this from first-hand experience. And when we read Peter's letter, we also have a history of Peter. That's what I love about Peter. Peter's first hand of experience of Jesus, as we know, is littered throughout the Gospels. Which brings me to my second point, to know him. Number one is to see him, who he really is. But to know him is to also know him by walking with him. And when I was preparing for this, I started to look at these moments in Peter's life as he walked with Jesus, and there are many different examples, but there are two that I want to pull out because they are complete opposite to one another. But they give us a wonderful perspective of how even our journey with Christ can have its ups and its downs. I mean, when you think about the pinnacle of Jesus walking, uh, Peter walking with Jesus, it would have to be Peter walking on the water. And we know this story really well in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Let me just read it to you again if you haven't read this for a while. It says this in verse 22, Now immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come up to you on the water. Come, he said. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. We know the rest of the story that when he took his eyes off Christ and focused on the waves, he started to sink. But the point is this. Jesus empowered him to walk. Divine power for him to walk across the water. And think about it. One word from Jesus, come, made Peter do something that blew everyone's mind. Just one word from Jesus gave Peter divine power to walk above the issues and the troubles where everyone else was freaking out. Peter was walking in a divine dimension. And the point is this, that Peter was close to Jesus, so he heard that word. He was close enough to see Jesus who he really was. And because he was close, even when he started to sink, the Bible says that Jesus reached out his hand. Peter was far away, he would have missed the point. He would have missed the whole thing. The second time I think of Peter's walk is where Jesus is just before Jesus was crucified. And Luke 22 speaks of Jesus at the Mount of Olives. We have a high point in Peter's life with Jesus, now we have a low point. And Judas comes and delivers that kiss to identify who Jesus was. So they came with clubs to arrest him. And as they took him away, after the disciples wanted to take them out with their swords, and Jesus said, don't. Look what the Bible says in verse 54 of now Luke 22. It says, then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some were there, had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw them seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. He said, woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And the Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Went outside and he wept bitterly. Look, look at verse 54. We can have that up. 54. And seizing him, they led him away. They took him into the house of the high priest. But Peter followed at a distance. He was drawn to Jesus in the midst of the storm. Now the Bible says he followed at a distance. And what followed that event was all the shame and the guilt and the failure of Peter's life. We don't know why Peter followed at a distance. Maybe because there was fear. Maybe because the situation was overwhelming. Maybe because he just couldn't get close to Jesus. Whatever the reason, now there was a distance. And where there was close community now, there was space between him and his saviour. And in that distance, there was fear, and denial, and failure, and shame. And all the things that Peter really didn't display at any other time in history. Our best walk with Jesus is to walk close to him. To walk toward him. And the knowledge that Peter talks about in 2 Peter is a knowledge of intimacy, of relationship of understanding firsthand who Jesus is. 
And that knowledge is best understood as a close walk. For the musicians to come. Acts 4 verse 13. Again, one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. When they saw the courage of Peter and John <laughs> and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can I ask you today, can people say that about us? Can people say that about you? Say that about me? Not your religious affiliation. Not the fact that you go to church every Sunday. Not the fact that you understand the historical Jesus. There are universities all around the world that would teach on the historical Jesus. When people look at you and look at your life, can they say, hey, this is a person that walks closely with Christ. This is a person that knows Him intimately. The two knowledges that I pray will be powerful for all of us over the 21 days of prayer and fasting is that we'll see Him for who He really is and there'll be no distance between us and Him. Maybe 2021, maybe the last 12 months, there, there has been a distance. Maybe because of just responsibilities and pressures and fears, and worries, these things have created a distance between you and God. Can I encourage you in this moment, in the life of our church, draw close to Him. His divine power, the divine nature that He's given us. He has given us everything that we need. Peter goes on to say, having escaped the corruption of the world. You know, I find when I'm close to Jesus, He shows me a way out. He gives me a way out. He says, this is the way out. When I'm tempted, He said, this is the way out. When I'm feeling under pressure, He says, this is the way out. When I'm living with anxiety on the inside, He said, this is the way out. He says, hey, listen, I'm gonna teach you how to escape from the corruption of the world so your mind is not constantly weighed down with all the stuff that it's going on around you. When you're close to Jesus, He reaches out His hand. He pulls you out of the troubled water. He shows you and I a way out. I think one of the worst things in life is when you feel trapped, you feel locked in. There's nothing that you can do to get out of that situation. Many people in life, they are prisoners in their own mind. But I prophesy over your life this year that as you draw near to Him, He will show you a way out of the anxiety and the stress and the concerns and the worries and all the things that keep you prisoner to yourself. I don't know about you, but I want to see him for who he really is. I'm not going to dress him up. I want to know him for who he really is. And I want to walk close to him. Because when there's a distance, I just start making some really bad decisions. And if it happened to Peter, listen, church, it can happen to every single one of us. I'm not saying distance from church or distance from religion. I'm saying to you, distance from Jesus Christ to know Him personally. That's the goal this year, amen? Tell you what, if we do that, we'll tap into a divine power that we will never live with a sense of deficiency. There'll be an abundance of everything that God has for us. And we'll be people that, you know, Second Peter, they'll be nicer. Come on, who wants to be nicer this year? No one? Okay, fantastic. 
I'm not saying you're not nice, by the way. That's not a backhanded statement. This is a wonderful, friendly church. I don't know about you, but I want to be nicer. It comes about knowing Jesus.